hope your guys' week was as good as mine. I had a great week. I got to travel with my best buddy, Todd Fox, who uh, we've been friends for about 20 years and have been road tripping every chance we get, and those chances have become fewer and far between. But uh, we drove way up out of the way, up to Route 66, and took it on out to Okima, Oklahoma. We got to see things like uh, the world's largest uh, totem pole in foil, Oklahoma. Got to see a giant blue whale in Catoosa, Oklahoma. Got to see Route 66 drive-in in Carthage, Missouri. And we even drove way on out to Fort Sill so we could see Geronimo's grave. But we ended up uh, making it to Okima, Oklahoma. And I played the Woody Guthrie Folk Festival. It was a really good time. Got to see a whole lot of friends that I hadn't seen in a while. Folks like Ramsey Midwood, my buddy Grant Peoples, Tim Easton, who I see around East Nashville quite a lot. But uh, Jimmy LaFave, Sam Baker, um, just so many people. I know I'm going to forget somebody. Saw Nancy Apple. Got to see John Fulbright and Terry Ware. Anyway, played the gig, and uh, the folks that put on the festival were just really nice to me. They treated me great, and I met a lot of nice people. You know, everybody that put on the festival were just all volunteers, and the artists that play it play for free. We went ahead and went all the way out there, and I I'd wanted to be part of it for a while, so when I got asked to do it this year i thought what the hell but we turned it into a road trip and there's few things as fun as road tripping with your best friend Hi friends, this is Otis Gibbs and you're listening to Thanks for Giving a Damn. I'm sitting here in my living room in East Nashville, Tennessee, and I had a great time on the road this week, but it's really good to be back home. This is a personal journal. This is a bit of an experiment. I'd like to say right up front that I haven't the slightest idea what I'm doing, but I decided to do it anyway. And this show was founded with the idea that there are only two people in art that matter. There's the creative individual and the person experiencing it and everything else is an artificial filter. This is a way for me to share things with you guys without any filters whatsoever. My guest this week is Ramsey Midwood. Ramsey is a singer-songwriter who lives in Austin, Texas, and you can find out everything you need to know about Ramsey at RamseyMidwood.com. I've only known Ramsey for a few years now, but whenever I'm in Austin, I try to make it out to a show. I've become quite a big fan. And uh, Ramsey has a lot of great stories that uh, I was able to get him to share some of these. But uh, We met up at a hotel room in Okima, Oklahoma, when we were both there playing the Woody Guthrie Folk Festival. But it was hot in Oklahoma, and we uh, snuck away. We had a very small window of time where we could get back to the hotel room and record this. And uh, we had a lot of good laughs, and uh, I hope you guys enjoyed as much as we did. Here's Ramsey Midwood. A friend of mine, uh, Kevin Russell, had a, a, a beautiful uh, van, and I was like, and we needed a van, you know, down in Texas to kind of get around and play shows because we were starting to, whatever, you know, getting some requests to go around the country and play some. And it was a big expense, and I was like, well, Kevin, you know, how, where, where, what would you, what would you do? And he said, well, I, we went to Enterprise, and we just bought one of those used uh, vans. Um, 
a rental? Like a rental, like a rent, like they've rented it for a couple of years and now they're ready to turn around and sell it. And so I said, oh, that's a great idea. I said, I don't know why I didn't think of it. And uh, we went down, uh, Scott Mason and I, the uh, friend of mine who plays drums with me, we said, well, let's go, we went to Enterprise. We went down to Enterprise and uh, they were like, oh yeah, we got those kinds of vans. Come on in, come on in, sit down, make yourself comfortable. And uh, so what are you looking to spend? And we said, well, not very much. Um, <laughs> and and I said, what what do you have? And every van, they said, well, we got this one. This is twelve thousand. This one's fifteen thousand. And I said, oh well, that's 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 no, we're 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 in different we're in different sort of worlds. We're we're, we're looking for like you know a lot less. Uh, and they said, well, you know, there's loans and stuff like that. And I said, well, I don't think we're the kind of people that are in the situation where that you guys would be real excited to do that. And, uh, well, you know, you can get co-signers and we realized, okay, we're not going to get, you know, we're, we got to get out of here. And we said, well, but as we were, had, when we had walked into the place, we saw this beautiful church van, like a gorgeous, like one of the ones, you know, it just looked brand new. Um, and I, and I looked at it and I said, Scott, this is the van. This is the kind of van that we need something like this. And, uh, anyway, so while we're, we're, we're in the enterprise, I said, well, what about that church van? Is somebody like trading that in? Because maybe we, you know, me, Enterprise, and the church, you know, we could work out something where we just take that and we just, and they're, oh, no, no, that's, that, that's somebody else who's doing it. Uh, we can't, we're not at liberty to talk about what's going on there. And I said, well, what do you mean? And they go, well, that just there's nothing we can do. But thanks. And I said, well, okay, thank you very much. And I went out to the parking lot and I thought, you know what, they're trading this van in. And I said, I'm going to, I Googled the, uh, the name on the, the the van which I I won't I won't say I, I, and there there you know came up on my phone and um, I called the church and I said hi I'm uh, like I'm in a band you know and uh, wondering about uh, maybe uh, if you guys are ever like you know getting rid of vans and you know kind of you know uh, upgrading and then she goes well our, you know what it's a matter of fact our guy is out there doing that very thing today. And I said, oh, really? I said, well, uh, she goes, let me give you his phone number right now. And I was like, oh, okay, that'd be great. And so I call, I call the, the number, and, uh, and then I see a guy walking out of Enterprise kind of picking up his phone, and I realize that I'm looking at him and talking to him. And, <laughs> uh, and so I have, to, I have to avert my eyes because it was just too much for me. And I was like, ah. I said, hey, uh, yeah, I was wondering about if you had any vans uh, for, well, I mean, I'm in a band, and I got, you know, whatever. And it's like, a, and he goes, yeah, yeah, you know, I was just down here at Enterprise. And I was, oh, is that right? Is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah, and I was trading it in, but I didn't really, they were only going to, uh, I don't know, give me $1,500 for it. And I said, I tell you what, I'll give you $2,000. And he goes, sold. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then we did the deal, and so I, I kind of picked up the van for two grand, and it's, it's a, it's a great van. It's a great van, and it's very, like, you know, keeps us under the radar a little bit. You know, as we're traveling around, no one has to pull over Baptists. <laughs> Not in Texas. And the, uh, yeah, we were up in Norman, Oklahoma, playing a festival up there, and we were sleeping on the promoter's uh, office floor uh, to save some money. And... Um, and it's around 11 o'clock in the morning, um, and there's 
and it's where it, there's a jewelry store down, the, you know, like down the street, and we had parked in front of the jewelry store and kind of didn't think too much about it. But there's a, a just this giant knock, you know, do, 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 open up, Norman Place. And we're like, what? And we're like, you know, in our underwear trying to figure out what's going on. And we come to the come to the door and open it up. And sure enough, there's like these, you know, police officers with their hands on their guns, you know, like, uh, yeah, who's, uh, whose van is that out there? And then Scott, the, the drummer, uh, thinks maybe he, he's in charge of the situation. And he says, we're going to be out of here in the morning. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, you know, it, I said, I got this. I got this. Um, I understand that it is the morning, sir. <laughs> uh, what he's trying to say is that we're in a band and uh, we were playing and it's the promoters. And we're just, and he's like, oh, oh, okay, I see, I see. We just had a call from the jewelry store that was a little concerned about the van being parked out there. And I said, oh no, don't worry, we're 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 not jewel thieves. <laughs> we're just playing folk music or rock music, or whatever you call it. I don't know. We still haven't figured out what to call it. If you have any labels, please let us know. <laughs> um. Anyway, so so they they go away, and then later in the day, I get a call from Danny, the fellow who sold me the van. Uh, from the church, and he was like, "Hey, hey, Ramsey, where, uh, where, where are you guys?" And I said, "Oh, we're up here in Norman." He goes, "Yeah, I thought maybe. Yeah, we got a call from a jewelry store, and uh, <clears throat> my boss is kind of kind of angry with me right now. Uh, is there any way you could just go ahead and erase the, uh, just kind of scrape the the letters from the church, you know, off the uh, either butter knife and a hair dryer ought to do it my wife and i did it on the other one shouldn't take you but 20 minutes and uh and then i told him i said well i said i'd love to do that danny but we had we had knocked off the jewelry store and uh and we sold the van to these uh, mexican guys that were uh i don't know they they i don't know if they were moving drugs or whatever <laughs> but i said they were gonna they were gonna use it as a as a taxi cab down there in Mexico and they had painted it red and green and there's nothing to worry about. <laughs> and uh, he said, anyway, you just get a little butter knife and a hairdryer and just get that thing right off. We'd be real appreciative. <laughs> we, yeah, we still haven't done it yet, but we're going to, we're on it. We're, we're trying to figure it out. I'm looking for butter knife. Uh, I'm from Virginia. Well, I grew up in Virginia. I was born in uh, uh, Kingston, New York, outside of Woodstock. And, and uh, you know, I guess that's when I, I mean, I had a guitar and I monkeyed around and stuff like that. But I wasn't, I, I, I wasn't like, uh, you know, I was not interested in, in sitting or inside, you know, and doing anything. And so, and, and there was a piano inside and I, you know, my mom was trying to, you know, guide me towards that. And I just couldn't think of anything worse than sitting down. Um, as a kid, you know, and, and so, cause we lived out by the river and woods and stuff like that. And so, you know, there, and there was, whatever, the neighborhood was teeming with children and running around and, and throwing stuff at each other. So it was mostly <laughs> like, I'd rather be out throwing stuff than, 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 you know, um, learning what a scale was or putting my finger here or doing that, you know, it's just not interesting to me, but I had records, you know, and when I would, come home from whatever throwing things um i would i would uh listen to records you know over and over and over again and shut the door and just kind of disappear into all that stuff like the jimmy driftwood record 
uh, we had. And, um, and I would listen to Tennessee Stud over and over and over and over again. Um, and I'm not sure why, but I liked that song a lot. And then, um, and then all the, you know, the Beatles records. I would listen to everything except for uh, number nine because I was too scared. That would scare me. I really, I didn't know. I didn't like what was happening there. I didn't like all the noises and the, and you know, whatever. Uh, so I would listen to every song on there. And Helter Skelter kind of scared me, and I didn't know why, because um, you know I was like five or something. That when listening to that, I was, uh, something just seemed um, like I better not be listening to that. Were your parents into music? Uh, yeah. Well, my dad played music, and. Um, he was he he went to school on a tuba scholarship to the University of Miami. So you know he was um, uh, musical, and he also you know wrote uh, you know whatever jazz and stuff like that. And my uncle, uh, the bass player, and um, and and played in a lot of uh, folk and jazz combos in the '60s, and on a couple of labels. And uh, and my mom was uh, she loved music, uh, worked at you know festivals like folk festivals and she was involved in the folk life festival my dad was also friends with uh dick spotswood who was at a radio show now and and i think it's in west virginia and was responsible for going to find mississippi john hurt and uh and and so you know we had his you know i listened to that record really the one of the, i think it was the piedmont that one i listened to that over and over and over again as a kid and then i just and I think I, I I thought it was a bunch of people playing, and then when I got older, I, I realized that was one guy playing, and I kind of rediscovered that record. And that's I think after I had rediscovered that record, when I found out that it was one person, I sort of dedicated myself to figuring out how to do that. And I still don't know how to do exactly, but I mean that's at least the impetus. You know, that's the thing that started me off. Did you get to see um, any of these blues greats? Or I, I the, the, somebody said that, or my dad said that Mississippi John Hurt came to the house and that, uh, and he whatever sat me on his knee, and I have no recollection of it whatsoever. But I'm inclined to take his word. It, you know, it never really misled me too much. That's beautiful. Yeah, man. yeah. I was in Chicago for about six or seven years. Um, like 85 to 90, so five years probably. Were you playing music all this time? Uh, no, I was, I was doing a lot of different things. I mean, I, kind of, I played music, but not, not, in a, 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 not in a career-minded way, you know, just in a sitting around, having fun kind of way. Well, I guess maybe it's still how I'm, <laughs> how I'm, how I'm doing it. Um, but that's a pretty good description of what we do. I think that that's right. <laughs> and I think, you know, I think the career is the getting in the car and driving. Yeah. That's the job. That's the job. And the rest is like, I try to keep it just like it was, you know, and if yeah. I get too far from that, I, I, I'd, so yeah. So, I mean, I was, I was doing it, but I was also, I was, I did a lot of, uh, I don't, I guess I'm uncomfortable talking about theater for some reason and acting. Cause I, I don't, I, I don't know. Uh, I used to do some of that, and I didn't really find it to be very uh, interesting after a while. You know, it's kind of interesting initially to me, and then it became um, silly. I guess. 
I'm hoping we can walk down that road. Yeah, I know, but I (laughs) I try to avoid that one. I'm sorry. That's all right. If we we don't have, we can do a little bit of it. Okay, Uh, right in the tail end of the Matlock when when they actually brought Don Knotts back, and I was a, I had a a brief appearance where I, I, and basically every appearance I ever had uh, involved me saying uh, they went that away. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was that guy. Yeah. There's, now there's a gas station attendant, and he tells them that they went that away. And now there's a rapist, and he says they went, you know what I mean? It's like, whatever. And uh, that was not very interesting to me because uh, somebody else knew where, where they went, and they could tell them. I didn't need me to tell them. Well, how do you, how do you score a gig like that? Um, you know, just like, uh, like getting a job at a... Uh, a restaurant or something like that you know you go in and you you know you go in and you interview and then they you know they they, they they like you or they don't like you i mean i i was i had done a, a lot of uh i i was in i i was fortunate enough to get cast in a, a steppenwolf play out of chicago that was the grapes of wrath and uh you know there were a bunch of fancy people in that and then um, and then fancy people came to to see it, and 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 uh, I played uh, a union organizer or a labor agitator, and uh, and also was like the uh, the understudy to Tom Jode, and so somebody from one of those television networks, you know, came to see the play, and they're like, oh yada, or I don't think they talked like that. But they, they were, I think it was a it was a lady, and uh, and she she said I should come out to audition for some TV shows and, uh, and you know, and the money that they were making, it was very appealing, you know, yeah. Like, oh yeah. I'll, uh, you know, I, that was exciting to me at the time. And I went out there and ended up in a beer commercial <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, you know, anyway, that was, and then I found myself raping Miss universe on television. And that's when I decided that that wasn't for me. <laughs> I've been writing songs for a, for a while, you know, just but not 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 for any like uh, purpose other than I uh, it brought me pleasure or it was like a necessary sort of thing to just felt like uh, something I had you know I had had to do and as I like I had had this handful of songs and I start I was I was living in uh, Venice Beach and. I had an odd job of, there was this guy, Peter Damien, he used to play on the boardwalk in Venice Beach, and he was like uh, sawed-off kind of Ukrainian working man, you know, and he had a couple of really beautiful songs, you know, Paloma Serenade, and these like really gorgeous tunes, but he was like, he had a the, the he had a family that he had to support, you know, and he had to he had to hustle all. He was always hustling and 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 uh, also had an odd aesthetic sensibility. He was like Ramsey, you know, if you got to make money on the boardwalk playing music, you got to have a gimmick. You got to. So that's why I wear these big ears. And so he had these giant ears that he <laughs> would wear that would sort of you know detract from the beauty of like some of the songs that he wrote. But he would get attention. <laughs> he would get a lot of attention and. Uh, Anyway, so one day I needed I needed some uh, some some dough, and I think maybe everybody knew it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and he said, "Hey Ramsey, you want to help me 
but I got to empty this dumpster at Wendy's and take all the gross stuff and put it in. He had a propane-powered bread truck that he used to haul sh stuff around. That was his, like, that's how he would make his living. He would, like, get stu people to move stuff. Uh, or he, I mean, he would move stuff for folks. And, uh, you know, he was always looking for a good angle. And and uh, and I I remember one time he I he came up to me saying Ramsey I gotta make I gotta I gotta make uh, I gotta make fifty bucks Do you know anybody who needs anything moved and uh, I was like and I really wanted to help him out I was like God Pete I can't think of anybody let me let me think and then I realized I had I had needed something moved and I said Pete. I need something moved. And he goes, okay, 70 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, so now I was in the position where I needed 20 bucks or something like that to, you know, eat or something. And, um, and so we went and, uh, went and did all this thing. And I, I've been, I, I like that. I was always singing that lead belly. So I had written some song, uh, Chicago, uh, which had starts off with this, the jump down, turn around, pick a bale of cotton. And so I was like hauling all this Wendy's garbage in the back of this bread truck. And I started just kind of singing that it, it, just to keep myself from uh, committing suicide. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and he said, hey, that's pretty good. You ought to come down to my open mic down at the wherever. And I was like, oh, you know, that sounds great. So I had like my first gig, you know. And... uh and so I said, I, and I didn't have a car at the time. And I was like, All right, well, where is it? And he gave me the directions. And I said, well, I can walk there. And I just got this PV Classic, which is a super heavy amp. I mean, uh, heavy in weight, not necessarily in tone. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so I said, well, I'll just walk there. And it turned out to be like a two-mile walk. Oh, and so I walk and carry in this, this PV two miles uh, in my guitar so I can go sing, uh, you know, Lead Belly songs. Uh, at the bistro for Pete, the guy with big ears. And um, and I go and I do it, you know, and there's a lot of people there. And, and, and one of those things that you, you read about in magazines, but you never think will happen to you. And it happened. And I was like, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. That's when I decided that, that you know I was going to continue to to write the songs. And, uh, and, and I met a couple of people there that were you know we got a band and the band started playing and we started playing around venice and and a lot of these guys you know were on uh they were they were drug addicts you know but they were a lot of you know a lot of musicians and and i knew this guy john lee who had a had emphysema and he had a little oxygen tank and he would uh he would sell uh and i would drive him downtown to go get codeine he wanted he because he, he would get codeine for real cheap, you know, and then he'd sell it on the boardwalk and he goes, that's my hustle. I, I, I get this codeine because my emphysema and I sell it. Uh, I do this. Anyway, he was also a singer. He was a great, uh, he would do, like to do uh, Hank Williams and Hank. I do the, I do it, I do it the Hank Williams way, but I combine it with Hank Snow. And that way I get the best of both worlds. <laughs> and anyway, he would sit out there on the boardwalk and sing and then sell this little codeine. And then he'd always give me a handful for giving him a ride. And then I'd pay off some of the music <laughs> with it. And then I had my first band, you know, uh, that we, we got paid in codeine. And, and then from that, <laughs> I ended up meeting, you know, I, I became respectable, you know, soon after that. Um, I'm, I ended up meeting this guy, Jamie Cohen, who was a, an A&R guy from uh, 
A&M. He's a VP of A&R at A&M. Um, and, and his old man was a big record guy in Cleveland and, uh, and whatever. He, uh, he heard some of these songs and he really liked them. And he said, I'm going to take you down to, uh, to meet somebody Clifford over at one of these places. And I was living on the boat a boat at the time somehow moved onto a boat and uh and because i had quit all the whatever the matlock and all that and i was just kind of so they didn't they just sort of you know uh jamie liked these songs and he said oh i'll take them take them down see what i can do for you and uh and so we had a meeting and um so i i think i broke down and cried when the meeting you know it was like i felt like oh well you know that was uh like a dream come true. Well, in a way, you know, like oh, look, I, I did from these sort of songs. Here's a here's whatever they're being taken seriously by yeah. a, a you know a, a, a record company and an A and R guy and all the I never you know I didn't know what any of that was. Uh, when we were we played in Knoxville at the uh, Relics. Theater and we never played Knoxville before, you know, and so, but somebody wanted us. Some, you know, usually it's like somebody that want, you know, you know, yeah. Somebody wants you there. They're like, how can we get you there? Yeah. And they're like, and you're excited. You're like, they love me there. <laughs> I'm going. They want me. They want me. <laughs> they can't get enough. I'll do everything in my power to get there for you. Um, how much can you pay? Well, we'll come there anyway. Because <laughs> sometimes they're great, right? They're great, and they mean, and, and even the ones that suck are meaningful. And, and sometimes they're the ones, that, they're the ones that, that are the best. You know, the ones that are the worst are the best. L weeks later, when you're talking about them to somebody, <laughs> and they're happy that, you're, that you did that and they didn't and you get to tell them about it <laughs> and that they were fine and they stayed home in their air conditioning and watched their television show and that you're out there fucking fighting on the front for lines. Some, on the front fucking lines <laughs> but you know what i mean you 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 know because i know you you yeah, you get you get calls out of nowhere and get, sometimes they're beautiful sometimes they're not sometimes they're not but but you meet people, you know, and you do the thing and you're live, you know, it's a, you're living, you know, it's like, it's, and, and, and as I drove around today, I was like, I just see these people that they're not like the, it seems like the entire country is dying. Like it's dead. You drive down these highways and the people are, they're all sitting there, but then none of them know each other. Right. They're just living in these little boxes, watching these stupid fucking shows. And, and it's like the country is, it seems like it's dying. You know, there are pockets of excitement, you know. But overall, the continent of America is in real trouble. But I don't feel like I'm dying, you know, because I'm, I'm in motion and I'm going to these places. And sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's not great. And in this particular case, we go to the, the, the whatever, this place, and we... Uh, and we get on the stage. It's a tall stage, you know. There should be 750 people gathered around this. It's the stage that's built for, for, for 750. You're up uh, high above the people. Be, and so all, they all can see you no matter where they stand. Uh, and they can get on their shoulders and look, you know. But in this case, there's 10 people there. 
you, you know that show, and so you're in the big stage, and there's 10 people <laughs> in Knoxville. You've driven a thousand miles, strung together some shows, you know, and made it so it makes some sense financially. And, uh, and the size of the theater just, it's just amplifies you know, it the amplifies just there. like, <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? But you do it because somebody called you and said they really wanted you there. And so, and there, and there were a handful of you know people that like, I can't believe you're here. Yeah. This, and somebody, and this, uh, you know, the people that, that when I say I, I say ten, there's there's more than that, but it, it feels like that, you know. And and some of these people had driven, uh, you know, two or three hours to get to this place. And so that's meaningful, you know, like, wow, I came to town and somebody got in their car and drove. And so these are for real fans. For, yeah. And so it's like, well, I can't just sit here and mope, you know, I'm going to make, they drove almost as far as I drove. <laughs> um, and so, you know, you put on a, a, a good show because you care, <laughs> you really do care. And you, um, there is a woman there who's in a jazzy or a rascal, a motorized wheelchair yeah and she is drunker than anybody i've ever seen in my life and but a happy drunk right and she loves the band the band is rocking and the you know the 10 or 15 20 people in there are starting to dance and have a good time and even though we're up there you know in this ridiculous you know this thing we look out and there's some people having a great time and so we have a good time and uh and there's uh, the, uh, some of the ladies from Tennessee <laughs> have come, you know, and are having a, a great time. And uh, the woman in the jazzy, who's got a bedazzled beret on as well, kind of buzzes up to the front of the stage and starts going, Come on, smile! And, uh, <laughs> Come on, you guys! You guys, are, you guys are great, but you need to smile! And then she'd buzz back, and then she'd, you know, swill another beer and come up, and then she'd, uh, whatever, you know, start shouting out directions to us in between songs. And finally, I said, why don't you back that fucking rascal about and shut your mouth? <laughs> and in a way that, you know, was delightful to the people. They knew I wasn't really serious. but um, And it's very rare that you see someone on the stage yelling at a woman in a wheelchair to back the fuck up. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's not something that happens every not day. every day but and, and and have the crowd on your side <laughs> anyway so then i have this song that people uh like um that i, I i'm i'm like oh, i can't hardly sing it anymore but i, I know that I, I i have to on occasion sing it it's, uh and it's that it's monster it's called monster truck and the yeah. the the uh, you know the punchline of the song is we kiss my ass because I drive a monster truck, and the band kicks in, and it's, you know, uh, frivolity ensues, and uh, and and people seem to like that moment, and and I, uh, um, and she liked the moment so much that she reached into her mouth and pulled out her teeth and held them to the <laughs> air like a lighter, and. <laughs> And so there was this toothless woman you know, with her dentures held high, and uh, and there were a couple, you know people sort of dancing around, kind of looking, <laughs> and then we all had this moment like, yeah, we were all here for that, and we all have that in common, and that is why we drove 
you know, that far <laughs> to see her take her teeth out and hold them. Uh, you know what I mean? I mean, and so that, and that really has made it, you know, that for me, I'd, I'd drive 10 hours for that. You know, if, um, I've driven 10 hours for less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then at the end of the show, we're all out, you know, whatever, you know, uh, meeting and greeting and talking, and uh, and she's still buzzing around, you know, and uh, and one of the bartenders kind of comes out with like a half a beer, you know, that somebody had left behind, and at a whatever as a, a, an offer, sort of offered it. Hey, somebody left a half beer if anybody wants it, and she, and the woman in the jazz, he said, I'll. I'll and she kind of j- run, runs over there in her jazzy and grabs the the beer and begins to drink and then realizes that she needs to give herself an insulin shot. And she gives herself the insulin shot and then chugs the beer and then looks over at me and a couple of fellows in the band and says, "Hey, do you want to come up to my apartment?" And 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 then she re- she realized there was some hesitation on our part and she said, "I have sandwich meat." <laughs> And then we realized it was time for all of us to leave. And uh, when that happened, the other, some of the, one of the other girls who was there was really drunk from the hills of Tennessee, literally jumps into the car with her friends, you know, jumps into the window, you know, as they sort of pull her in as the car is being, is driving away and her legs are sort of, you know, going, they're pulling her in as the car is pulling away. And we just hear, take me to the state line. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that was that was the gig i guess is the most memorable at lately well, the friday night in tennessee the friday, <laughs> the friday night in knoxville man i appreciate right. you uh coming in and uh and chatting with me my pleasure Otis. i think uh i have a butter knife in here we Would should you, go scrape uh, the letters off give that me a van. couple of days and i'll do it we'll work on that and notice i'm a big fan of otis gibbs i really am Thank you. I'd like to thank everybody for listening in, and I'd like to thank Ramsey for meeting up with me at that hotel in Okima, Oklahoma. You can find out everything you need to know about Ramsey at RamseyMidwood.com. If you'd like to help support this show, just go to OtisGibbs.com and you can pick up a CD, a t-shirt, you can download any record I've ever made, you can buy one of my photographic prints, you can buy one of Amy's records, you can buy one of Amy's children's books, but anything that you buy, we'll mail from our living room to yours and we'll even put in a little thank you note. If you'd like to help out but you're a little short on cash, just go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review, leave a comment. Subscribe while you're there, and you'll get a brand new episode for free every Wednesday. But if you enjoy this show, or you enjoy my music, or you enjoy Amy's music, please take the time to tell a friend and help us spread the word. And if you'd like to send us a message, we'd love to hear from you. Just send it to info at otisgibbs.com. I'm Otis Gibbs. Thanks for giving a damn.